Good morning. Let me open in prayer and we'll kind of get balanced with where we're going. Father God, give us hearts that are open to your word and, and open to change. God, it's a great opportunity for us to learn from you. May we continually take serious note of everything that you would have us do and then be diligent to do it. God, we love you and thank you so much for your care and concern for us continually. In Jesus Christ, amen. Anyway, what I'm going to be doing for the month of August might not be pleasant, might not be fun, might not be exciting, but it should be, okay? I want to deal with one another's. It's kind of hit me. It's like, what do I do with this? What do I do with the month? Do we grab a section of a book and go, or what does God want me to do? So I spent a lot of time with the Lord going, what do you need us to learn? And I was thinking after Joe's messages, the impact and what was going on and what the issue is for us and our own growth and our own relationship, looking at Lakeside, just seeing where we are as a family, taking a look at even just the feedback that I got from our prayer meeting last Sunday, which was intense. Why? Because we prayed for each other. We spent time with each other. And the one another started hitting me more and more in the fact that I'm going to be bold enough to say Lakeside's not executing them. We're comfortable. We're very comfortable. We sit in our same spots every Sunday, even this morning. I know. I'm looking at myself, okay? So don't think, he's picking on us. No, I'm looking at myself going, am I doing the exact same thing every Sunday for the last umpteen months? Yeah, we were sitting back here for months, maybe years. <laughs> Don't want to push it. Then we were over here for a while. That was okay. And then we did some Sunday before last that was interesting. We sat over on the farther side. And some people came out. We were sitting there and they were like, you're in my seat kind of look. You know that one. You've seen it. You've felt it. That's bad. The attitude needed to be checked. You're like, that's one of those times. Go outside, repent, come back in kind of thing. But today I want to do one of the hard ones. This is foundational. This is the love one another. And you and I are going to sit there, oh, I got that one. Come on, let's move to the next. No, we don't. No, we don't. Because if the apostles didn't, we don't. So while I'm kind of giving the intro, go to John 13. We'll spend some time there. We'll also spend some time in First John. This is John. Just John chapter 13. For this month, again, my desire is to do the one another's. Do you realize there's more than 50 one another's in the New Testament? To do, not to option, not to think about, not to pretend, but to do. Today is the foundation for all the others. If you don't have God's love abiding in you, the one another's are a joke and impossible. You can't do them. 
Because they're against their nature. Do you realize our world is preoccupied by what it thinks is love? There are decades of songs talking about love. I went through some in my head and I went, those lyrics are useless. So sweet and soft. Ugh. The word is used without power many times only as a passing gesture. We know the world's love has no value in that you will at times hear couples in their divorce say that they've run out of love. What's that? Love is dosed out in cups and when you get to the bottom of the container and it's empty, that's it? That's about as far as people think love is. It's a container item. Is that the love that Jesus talks about? Is that the example that we saw while Jesus was here among humanity? Absolutely no way. The love that we see in the pages of scriptures is nothing close to what we see in the world. Why? Because it's not of this world. It's from God alone. You can't conjure it up. You can't whip it up. You can't make it, create it at all. As Christians, we can fall into the trap thinking that we have love because we are Christians. Title does not grant you love nor ritual observance of spiritual things. It's not in us. We're sinners. You don't get far out of the Garden of Eden and you see murder. Jealousy is not love. We also can fall into the trap of putting on a good show on the outside, but inside is the badness of our heart. We can put on a front, but what God sees is the darkness of our hearts. If we do not face the darkness to see the light of God, we're only hiding our sin. This is probably one of the hardest and most prevalent sin in our life. Loving one another. We don't do it. We kind of play the game like we're doing it. But we're not doing it anywhere close to what the example was before us. So I hope today through the scriptures we can clearly see that God's love in us is critical. It's critical to the point that it will either affirm or deny our salvation. It's pretty bold, isn't it? That you can look in your heart and look in what you do and your actions and literally from the outside it can be brought to the point saying you're probably not a Christian. You're probably not saved. So let's go to our text today. John 13. We're actually going to do 33 and 35, but I want to kind of start in the middle and kind of work to the ends. That's strange, isn't it? Who in the world would do that? Well, we're in the middle of a huge section of Scripture. And it's difficult to kind of do a sequence when you're in the middle. But in verse 34, it starts out and says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Where are we? Well, we're in the upper room. 
What's transpired in the upper room that we can even recollect? Well, one we remember that Jesus, during dinner, didn't say anything, didn't rebuke anybody. He did something that exposed the disciples' hearts, exposed their love or lack of love. He got up, took his outer garment off, put on a towel. Without a word, started washing feet. We know the scenario, got to Peter. Peter was, oh, you know, threw him completely off. And then Jesus got done washing feet. And in John thirteen twelve, we read, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. And if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. I gave you an example. You realize washing feet is probably one of the worst and hardest things to do. I remember I was at a church one time and we had a foot washing service. I heard we were going to do it and I kind of went, oh, this is going to be nasty. It was. And I'm sitting there on the ground kneeling, washing feet. And inside my brain I'm going, this is horrible. This is demoralizing. This is gross. This is what Jesus did without a word. (laughs) I give you an example. Verse 34 is set up by verse 33. Without this verse, 34 sits awkward in the text. And as you see and flow through it, you go, this is kind of a weird, it's just, wait a minute, this kind of bumps weird. It doesn't. Go to verse 33. Notice the intro for 34. Little children, yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me just as I said to the Jews. So now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. You realize what's happening and about ready to happen for these men? The greatest example of living love that they have ever seen and they've walked with for three years is leaving. No more. He's leaving forever from the face of the earth. Jesus taught us too the hard lesson of you love your enemies. We saw that. And true without love, the abiding love of God in us, there is no way that we could ever love our enemies. Agree? It's not in our fallen nature to love those who persecute us. 
But he says, love them. So with Jesus leaving, is that it? There will not be any example for fallen man to see and follow? You know, if we stopped at verse 33, you would be correct in answering yes. That is all she wrote. That's it. Nothing. Jesus leaves and so does God's love with him. No more. Just an empty void. All we will have left is the hatred of man against man. But we are not left with verse 33, and I praise God for that. But the torch is passed on to be carried to the lost and dying world. Who are those that have been given the charge to be the example of God's love here? What's the answer? You and me. Stop long enough. Think on that. Jesus walked on the earth. God himself gave us the greatest example of love. And told us to love one another. He gave us that responsibility. It's hard to realize the intensity of that command to us. So let's understand the new covenant. It's verse 34 again. It says, the new covenant I give to you that you love one another. Wow. First lock your thoughts in the fact that this is not an option or a choice for a true Christian, but a command. It's not on your wish list. It's not on your options list. It is a command. It's a direct command from God. A command that demands that we sit up and take focused attention. Not something you kind of push off on the side. There's something really weird about this one. Anybody pick up the one word that kind of throws you off? The word new. This is a new command that you love one another and you're going, it's the first time you've ever heard this? What? I, no, I don't think so. It's been around for a long time, like forever. Let's go back to Leviticus 19.18. If you want to go there, I'll wait. <laughs> I know it's like, this is Bible drill time, right? Leviticus, uh, Genesis, Exodus. What's the next book? Leviticus 19.18, third book in the Old Testament. Old Testament is the first writings in the, the front of your Bible. Okay, you've got enough time. Leviticus 19.18, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Okay, the command in Leviticus has restrictions, though. It's a restriction to the Jews. Notice the phrase, your own people. This was a very targeted statement that God is making to his people to say, you love Literally, your family, those around you, your fellow Jews. But that's a very tight command. It's too tight and it doesn't even extend to us. The example is there, but the command is not. That's why Jesus, at this point, is now saying, I'm giving you a new command. I'm making this command broad. 
I'm pulling this thing from the original command that says love fellow Jews to move it out to everybody. It's new in the sense that it now has a broader application to the world, the whole world. And you know the amazing part about it is it's the application to those around us who are not believers. And you know what? You and I do not know which ones of those around us that are not believers who are going to be called by God to be believers. So watch what you're doing. You have no right to not love everyone. Do you know who's going to be a believer around you? No. So the command is broad, it's direct, it's wide open. It's new because this is what, this was not something that you would see in the world at that time. There was separation, there was class distinction, there was poverty, there was racial divisions, there was race divisions of all kinds. The Romans couldn't stand one another, basically. Everyone were going against one another. I mean, Joe, in some of his teaching, went back and told you just how horrific the time was in Rome. The interesting thing historically is, as non-Christian historians during that time period of the early church, when they look back, it was interesting. One of the interesting points that they pushed out and recorded was the fact that they recorded about Christians, these Christ followers, these Christians, but the interesting thing about them historically is they loved one another. It stood out. It stuck out. It was not part of the culture, so it was glaringly obvious that the command of God was being lived out. You know, an interesting point to think about is the lack of love the world has and had back then. Think about it. Remember back when Paul was dealing with the church, the Christian church in Corinth? What did he rebuke them on? On fighting with one another, devouring one another. They were even taking each other to court. That was the sinful natural bent that they slid back to. The interesting thing is, this is normal for fallen man but is that a character for a true believer in Christ? Paul was clear to declare that this ought not be. So we see that we have a new nature that has the power to love, not only the power to love, but the power to love all people, not just a tight-knit. But there's a command that's behind that love that gives us the responsibility to love one another. It's new because it's a new nature. It's the new nature because the Holy Spirit lives in us, gives us the ability to love, guides us in our love. It's not just a command that has no ability to get us down the road. You know, we can live out this and execute the true love as described. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I think you know where I'm going. You probably have memorized this. But this is the love that we are to carry to all people. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist 
on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Best verse, love never ends. Now take a look at that list. Which ones resonate as sin? I mean, I can go through that list and go, ooh, ow, ooh, ow, ooh. You know what I'm saying. Love is patient, are you? Dinner late? What's your attitude? How come this dinner's not ready? I'm ready. Okay, sinner. Love would say, how can I help? How can I get in there and be part of the deal? Now the sin turns around and says, I am being inconvenienced. Is that arrogant? Is that rude? Man, you just fill up a whole list. It does not insist on its own way. Oh, oh, try to do that in the home. That's not, these aren't easy. But this is the love of God that we're talking about. It's new with a target. It's new because the target is for all people. It is for all people as it is part of the gospel truth that is seen by all through the believer. We are commanded to love all as we are not given knowledge of those who are chosen by God. We will have a false testimony if the love of God is not seen through our lives. We kill our testimony of Christ by our lives. Does that ever put seriousness in your life? If you're existing in the negative side of the 1 Corinthians 13 where you're not doing those things, you're killing your testimony. Well, how come, how come people don't want to listen to me? <laughs> your mouth has no value as long as your life has no value. They can't see the evidence. You're going to talk to them about the love of God and you're... Horrid. If we're like the Corinthian church and the world around us sees us devouring one another or hating one another or taking each other to the court, what words will they allow us to speak to them about Christ? That's hard to realize we close the door. Now, when I do realize something like that, I'm very quick to kind of go to God, repent, and deal with the whole situation, but I'm also asking God, going, God, help. Send a Christian who's living the life of love in front of the path of this individual to share the gospel because I've kind of kiboshed the deal. And boy, can you do that big time at work? Oh, I was just scanning back in the week that I had, and I went, mm, maybe you got to talk a whole lot less and keep your mouth shut. We have all we need to live out this new commandment. Do you realize one thing? First John four nineteen, you're close if you're let's kind of stay a little bit with John and first John. First John four nineteen. We love because he first loved us. So we're not going on our own energy, it's because we have the example that leads before us. 
If you're honest with yourself, you will know that there was nothing lovable about us that we should be loved by such a great God. You realize that? I didn't come to the table with anything to offer. You know, I always talk to other people about this transaction. You think about it. You go to work. You work for an hour. You know how much you get paid by the hour. So you work an hour and you get paid, right? An equal exchange, right? Do we give God an equal exchange? Well, it's not positive. We gave him our unrighteousness, and he gave us, <laughs> hang on to this one, his righteousness. Do you understand? We stand before God righteous. We stand before him because we can talk to him, and we can interact with God, and we can spend time with him, and we can learn his love. That had to happen for us to be able to deal with love. You know what Jesus is really saying? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. It's clear, straightforward command. There are no alterations, modifications to the command. That's it. We have already stated that it is the testimony of the love of God in our lives. Here's the hard part. Go to verse 35, John 13. Verse 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Oh. Notice the conditional clause in the verse. If. <laughs> Old song from many years ago stated that they will know that we are Christians by our... And if those of us who are out there in the 60s and 70s remember that song well. I don't think I really went through the head deep enough to understand that. It was kind of neat. It went as far into the head enough to come out the mouth and sing. That was about it. But you tie that to this verse, you go, Wow. wow. That's hard. In 1 John, we are brought to the reality of Jesus' statement in verse 35. You are my disciples if... Turn to 1 John 4. Please understand this again. This text is looking at my life. I'm not smacking you. I'm not hitting you over the head going, I'm righteous and you're a failure. No. I read this and have struggle points all over. I mean, I'm confessing to God all during the work day. Oh, shut up. Stop talking. Oh, you have a negative attitude about that person in your heart. Oh, not again. It's constant. And sometimes it's almost debilitating. You realize here in this text, John is not going to be soft, but right to the core of our lives. He is hard to get us to see if we are truly saved by the evidence of God's love, working not only in our lives, but also out of our lives. It's a hard text, folks. This one's rough. You know John, if you've ever studied First John, you know he's Mr. Black and White. You get a little bit of grace right in the middle of the letter and you're, uh, wow, 
But I'm glad John was that way and God moved him to be that way because we need to be a little bit more of the absolute clear right and left and sit and think we're okay in the middle. So he starts in verse 7. Beloved, he's not bashing him, he's talking to family. Let us love one another, for love is from God. We understand that. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God, and anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, family, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We have the example. It's right in front of us. It's a straightforward test. If the love of God is not evident in and through your life, you're not a true child of God. I know that's kind of punching the teeth, but be honest. If you died today, do you know absolutely for certain you'd go to heaven and have eternal life? Use this as a test. Don't sit and say, oh, I'm nice. That's not what the text says. Nice is not love. Nice is human. Nice is what we do in a fallen state. Nice. Love is much more intense than that. Boyce noted in his commentary on this text by quoting Schaefer, and this one, I read it and went, Ow. Schaefer says that this is frightening, and he is right. For it is as if Jesus turns to the world and says, I have something to say to you. On the basis of my authority, I give you a right. You may judge whether or not an individual is a Christian on the basis of love he shows to all Christians. Oh. <laughs> is that true? It's true. That's what Jesus is saying. Love is action. What was it, DC Talk? That did love is a verb? It was the weirdest song. And then all of a sudden, a verb. Oh, yeah. Shows action. It's not passive. It's active. The love we have and that we've been talking about is a verb. It's an action. First John 3.18 And this is where we're going to be going with all these one another's. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. We can make up a good mouth spell for somebody and go on and on and on. We can wax eloquently. But if we're not doing, well, you know what that means. 
So what does it look like? As a preface, it looks like the one and others that we're going to be going over the rest of the month. John does state that we should lay down our lives for one another. There are a few opportunities where we're put in a position to die for one another, but consider going through this practically. What are some of the other ways that we can die? Die to self? (laughs) Just scan back yesterday. How many times did you die to self? No, how many times were you self-centered? How about sacrifice our interests for others? It's not about me. See, we've got a one another that's coming up that says what? Consider others more important than yourself. See, it's the foundation is the love of God is shed abroad in our heart and that we love one another. That's the foundation that we have to have to be able to do that. If not, we're going to be self-centered go, oh, it's all about me. i got to support me. I have the me campaign. Ugh. So what does the love of God look like through me? Well, let me, let me give you some hints. This is something you can want to chew on for the week and go, well, how does this thing live out? Where do I sit at Lake? No, no, no. You understand what I'm saying when I say that, right? We get into a click. All right, I'm going to be honest. I've had a few people, not a lot, okay, let's not put the, you know, everybody's saying it, you know, whatever. At Lakeside, we got a problem with what? I think it's a French word because it's spelled really weird. Click. We've got clicks. How do you define a click? These are my people. Wait a minute. These are my people. This is what God said. If somebody is a believer, they're family. I think we've forgotten that. I will get a little bit further in, down the week. I just, I just keep coming over the point. I was adopted. So is my brother back there. You know the most amazing thing about it? That comes into big play in my thinking about being family. I know... Brother and I have got a little bit of over you guys because, you know what, we were chosen twice. Ha ha. Sorry. No, I don't mean that. <laughs> chosen because, you know what, poor old mom and dad had no clue what they were wrapping themselves up with. I'm sorry. <laughs> they had a workout with me. But that was family. My last name used to be Nordstrom, now it's White. I have no affinity to that old family. There's nothing there. When we were born of God, we used to have Father Satan. Now we've got the Creator God, Father. That's severe family. So let's put this a little bit tighter in the context. We're family. Now if we treat each other at Lakeside like we do family, we need to have some real serious counseling sessions. Because that's a disaster. You're kiboshing the whole deal. Do I stop to listen to others? Uh, This is questions to me, okay? I'm just sharing them. I got a bad habit that I have to keep focusing myself on. When I'm talking to someone, I'm looking beside them to see who's out around me. It's a horrible thing. I got to stop that. Who's 
there that I should be most important to focus in on? You, who I'm talking to. Don't take a cell phone call because when you're talking to someone else, I don't know, that's just a hint, okay? Do I get out of my way in getting to know those at Lakeside, like sitting in other areas? These are just suggestions, but something to think on. Do I seek out visitors and take them to lunch with the family? They may never come back, but, uh, you know, that's not the point. (laughs) This is what we did last Sunday night. Do I pray for those at Lakeside and seek opportunities to pray for them while returning to see God's answers? I know that's a long run-on sentence. If you're here Sunday night, we prayed for one another. We also were able to have, have the opportunity to get the needs of those that are around us in our small little group. Now the question is, did you put them down and will you be going back to that individual to see how God answered that prayer? Why in the world would you pray for somebody else and not come back and see that God's answer? Do you don't, the movie God is Dead, do you live that? Come on, he's not. He's active, he's dynamic, he's doing, he's, he's, that's what we have the opportunity to pray for one another. Go back and find out what God did as an answer. Praise him for it. Here's some negatives. Or, hmm, this is kind of a negative, but I've brought it up before. Do I sit in different areas while at church so I can get to know others in the body of Christ? I know, I keep bringing it up, right? I bring it up in my act classes when I teach. Am I in a rush to get out, out of here? When we were sitting back here, I had to get out of here, guys. Move up. It's amazing the minute the amen hits, there's this mad dash out the door. And I understand there's some people with physical situations, they've got to safely get out first. I got that. But most of us who are doing the, you know, the 70-second dash kind of thing, you know what I mean. Spend some time, maybe find someone and say, let's go to lunch. We all know we're going to have lunch, right? So don't worry, we'll get there. You don't have to get there before someone else does. So, Do I live a self-centered life where it's all about me and there's no room for others? Mm. Yeah. Am I critical of others? <laughs> yeah. Do I tear down rather than build up? May not do it verbally, but do you do it mentally? Then you're doing it. (laughs) You know the list goes on. We must examine our life in light of the example of Christ that we know and see. We could ask that old question, would Jesus do that? Or better yet, what would Jesus want me to do with the example that we have before us? We, didn't, we need the love of God active and working in and through our lives so we can fulfill the many one another's in the New Testament. Boyce ends this section as we do with a thought when he was going through this section in the commentary. He asked the question, are we Jesus' disciples? Are you? Am I? No doubt most of us will answer gladly, yes, I'm his disciple. But as we think about it, let us think about discipleship according to the definition 
Jesus himself gave to it. Jesus defined a disciple as one who continues in his word, love of the brethren, and bears much fruit. That's the foundation we have to stand on to execute and have the ability to execute the one another's. When you look at the list of one another's, which I'll get to you in about a month, okay? There are more statements in the Bible about love one another than any other issues. I wonder why. Maybe because it's the most critical. Maybe because it's probably the most difficult for you and I to do. It's hard to get out of your little comfort zone, isn't it? Just try to go to a different area where you normally sit and sit somewhere else. And you'll feel inside going, you're almost like dragging yourself to the new spot. Yeah, but it's so nice over there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But why? Why? You're going to know inside that it's a rough deal to get out of your center and spend time with others. Our prayer circle last Sunday night was phenomenal, great. There was some people I knew, some people I knew a little bit, some I didn't know as well. But the beautiful part about it was praying for one another. That was exciting. And I have been. I go back to the list and pray. Others I think about, I pray for. Now I got the job to go back and what? Ask. Ask. We need to stay in touch, spend time, and love one another. Loving one another is being involved. I will tell you that it's difficult. One simple thing, I'll just give it to you as a quick note, something you can look at later. You notice in that text as you read through it out of John, the disciples were very distracted by Jesus saying, I'm leaving. And right after he says that, he says, okay, I need you to take the love that I have brought into this world and given you the strongest example of. I need you, I command you to take it to each other and to all people. And then they keep moving a little bit further in the text and they keep going, but where are you going? They were distracted. They missed the point. You know how bad they missed the point. You go over into Luke, same time period. They've left the upper room. They're heading to Gethsemane. Luke 22, 24, and 27 is a real interesting section, and it's us. Jesus commanded them to love one another, and right as they're on this walk to Gethsemane, and Jesus is going to die soon, What are they worried about? Themselves. They're arguing. What does the text say? A dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Is there one another executed here? No, No, kibosh, totally. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. 
For who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves? What did he do at the dinner? He washed their feet. He served them. So part of love that we'll get into more is serving. Loving one another, you serve. I'm so amazed that I look at the apostles and go, you guys are just like us. You get distracted, you go off the thing, and all of a sudden you're worried, hey, 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 I'm supposed to be number one. I'm the, you know, one of the biggest dangers of being an elder is that. Pride, being number one. No, no, no. An elder's job, along with all of us, is to serve one another. Wash feet. Ew. Yeah, it's nasty. But it's service. And we can only serve one another because of God's love in us as we execute it through our lives. Day in, day out. Let's pray. Father, help us not to just look at this as going, yeah, nice text. Okay, we're done. No, no, no. This is a command that you've given us. We are desperate for you to guide us and help us. But at the same time, too, God, help us as Paul directed the Corinthian church that we also need to examine ourselves in light of the truth here that if we're truly yours then we should see love not only in us, but coming through us and executed to those around us. We won't envy, we won't be rude, we won't be impatient, we won't be any of those things. That's our sin nature. But God, we ask that your love absolutely floods us to serve one another, to execute the one another's. God, we know we can't do it apart from you. My sin nature, you're easy to see that my sin nature is to do what's best for me. That has no value in the area of loving one another. God, direct us, guide us. If there are those today in here that may, yeah, in later part of life, realize that they are not your child, and they do not see the evidence of love, then I, I pray that you would move them to repent and to turn to you so they can receive and then share and serve those around through your love. God, make us to stand strong. Make us to do things that are different. Help us to be mindful that we have a responsibility to love one another. God, empower us with the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Enliven us to the truth. We love you and thank you for your constant care and love. In Jesus Christ, amen.